festive. Looking out a dirty old window, outside the cars in the city go rushing by. I sit here alone and I wonder why. Friday night and everyone's moving. I can feel the heat, but it's soothing heading down. I Welcome back to As If, the podcast about Clueless, where we talk about Clueless minute by minute. Today, we are breaking down minute 46. I am Amy Pascal, your delightful and charming host this week, and continuing with me today is the equally delightful and charming Jessica DeRoy. Hi again. And Jordan Sam. Hi. Okay, so today's minute, we start with Cher getting a massage after her night of hell um, and broken hearts, uh, and she's wondering what she's going to say to Ty about Elton and his lack of love for her. And it goes through Cher, Dion, and Ty talking about what kind of physical attributes they like in their men. <laughs> so after we see uh, Cher getting a massage and, you know, having all of the stress worked out of her by her masseuse, Fabian, um, we go straight to the locker room. And again, we've got a very closely framed um, moment where you just see, you know, it's it's Ty right in the middle, Cher and Dion. And it took me a couple of viewings while I was trying to figure stuff out that there's a bunch of girls in the background mm-hmm. in their bras and panties. And this is some strange panties. That. Yeah. Did, yeah. I did not. No, I'm serious. I didn't. I was, I was, I was wondering what, okay. And I, I wanted to ask you about this. I was wondering why Ty was very upset. Like I, I, I was trying to figure out cause it, it looked like this was, she was trying to get Elton's, you know, attention over less than a day. Like, I, mm-hmm. I'm not sure how long she was invested in trying to get Elton, but from the way the cuts and stuff like that, it looks like she only thought about this because, you know, Cher was there and she, and it seemed like she was doing this for Cher. So like she was trying oh, to get no. her there. And, and well, that's, that's why I thought I, that I wanted to ask about because like, I could understand like, you know, hearing, Oh, Elton wasn't into her because of certain things. And that would be, you know, like she would feel bad, uh, as a reflection on her, like, like, am I not good enough? What's wrong? Or something like that. I, I can understand that. But it also, she was crying over the fact that, you know, she wasn't going, you know, that she wasn't going to be with Elton at, in some sense. And it just seemed at the time to me odd, like I said, because it just se- seemed she only had like maybe a little bit of emotional investment in this. And again, I don't know if that's because I just thought the pacing was really that quick. Like, like I said, like it seemed to me only a day or it's because I'm an emotionally stunted human being. No, no. It, this is directly from Emma. So oh, okay. in, in the book, um, the Harriet, Harriet, the Thai character already knows she, there's a Travis, uh, Robert Martin, that she's already met. She spent time with him and his sisters and she's pretty much in love with him. But Emma has deemed him unworthy of Harriet's affection. So she's found Mr. Elton, the um, local uh, vicar or something. He's, he's some, one of those, you know, British uh, religious people I can never keep straight. And um, so she convinces Harriet, who's very impressionable, just like Ty, that this is the man for her. So she's not, it, you know, it didn't originate with her. Her heart already belongs to somebody else. So... I think it was just kind of that disappointment of when you're 
when you think that that's the person that you're going to be with and just that disappointment of being rejected, I think. So, so I don't think okay. you're misreading that. I don't think she was that invested, but she was as far as being rejected. Okay. See, in that uh, context, it now it kind of makes sense to me. See, I'm going to go because I, I, my reading um, of it without having seen Emma is that this is such a teenage girl thing. Yeah, that too. Yeah, that was the other such part. <laughs> a girl, like a, a lady thing in general, but especially teenage girl thing because, and I don't think it was a day. I'm guessing it was probably over the course of a week. Yeah. Like, you know, that sort of a thing. But there is definitely the part of it where Cher is deemed the Travis unacceptable and wants to push her to Ellen. But um, she, you know, God... This happens, I mean, you'll hear these stories so many times where it's like, oh, well, um, I, like my, I, we were in sixth grade and my boyfriend had two friends and we decided that like mm -hmm. they needed girlfriends. So I asked my two friends to be their girlfriends and you know, you, you've got like that part of it and that's at a younger age, but then as it gets older and it's like, oh, like somebody actually likes me. I mean, when you're, we're, you so desperately want to make a connection and you know, and you, it's so hard to do that. And then plus, like, you know, you're at an age where you're so, like, insecure. And, you know, you've got Ty in this new school. So, it's like, while she is a fairly confident girl in a lot of different areas, she is still a teenage girl. And, you know, Cher has told her that Elton likes her, mm -hmm. you know, which she lied. Then they go to this party, you know, and when she, and she's like, oh, dance in front of Elton, dance in front of Elton, like, to get his attention. And then, um... And when she, you know, she gets her head hit and she makes, like, she, Cher literally pushes Travis away to go help Elton out, or to give Elton help her, and then he goes off and dances with her, and, you know, and their whole, like, little hand rolling with the homies <laughs> business, um... These are all so meaningful and these little moments. And it's like, I still do this with like people that, you know, that I'm interested in or I'm attracted to. And especially when you feel like there's a spark of something mm -hmm. and it's not that, oh, they had a date and it didn't work out or, oh, they kissed and it was kind of weird. It was, no, he doesn't like you. And like she immediately, like so many girls do and women do, it's, Oh, it's, it, she blames her body. Like, you know, it's like if I was in a different body, he would have liked me. And, you know, it's like, it's my hips. Like, you know, and I love that Dion was like, Dion's immediately like, no, that's not the reason. Like, and then both she and Cher yeah. agree that, you know, like, you no, know, Elton's just a conceited jerk who like thinks he's God's gift to women and Ty can do much better. And then like the next thing she said actually breaks my heart, like mm -hmm. even more than like her first sadness, because I have been there i've like i've heard these stupid pep talks like all my life like oh you can do better you're you know like he's not good enough for you whatever and she says you know like if i'm too good for him then why why am i with him like how come I'm not with him like why doesn't he want me and like that is so universal you know i think a lot of one, uh, the theme that's been running through um a lot of these episodes is that you know this this movie is like really like the haves, you know, like you're watching mm -hmm. kind of the drama of the haves, but it is so relatable. And it's like, while Ty isn't, you know, like Ty is probably more relatable than like the shares and, and the Dion's in, in, and a personal thing. But it is like, that's such like, 
especially a teenager thing, especially a teen girl thing, but I think it's still a universal thing of, oh, I, I've been told I have a chance with this person, and then you, whether or not she necessarily was initially interested in Elton, she's going to start making those connections, you know, as most people do. Like, oh, you're interested in me? Oh, okay, then I will be, you know, mm-hmm. interested in you and see how we can fit together as a relationship, and then it's just told, like, oh, no, he doesn't like you. And, and just as a status, too, because Elton, yeah. or yeah. I'm sorry, Elton, is, um, he's, you know, he's a high status guy in, in, in their circle and he has an in with, you know, the music industry and like, she probably started thinking about this lifestyle and how she was going to fit into mm-hmm. their social circle if she get, if she got that position, you know, as his, as his official girlfriend. Yeah. Honestly, thinking back on it, I can kind of imagine, uh, some, well, my high school relationships were nothing well anything past being friends was 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 not exactly a wonderful <laughs> things that happened to me and uh i it's and i don't really like to think about it because it's just one of those things where like oh well i guess uh you know i did things wrong or something which mm-hmm. i mean when you're a kid that's understandable so i don't i don't know uh i mean also, I mean, it's it's only been like the last few years where I realized, like, oh, maybe I actually view relationships differently than other people, and maybe that's why things didn't go like that. You know, you're so emotional about everything when you're in high school, and then also, especially, you know, when you're an adult and you're dating somebody and it doesn't work out. Chances are, you you don't really have to run into them that much if you do. You know, that's true. <laughs> when you're in high school, oh God, I mean. God, the worst thing in the world is like when somebody breaks up with you or you find out somebody doesn't like you and you still have to go back day in, day out and see them in your classes and see them in the hallway and be reminded. And you don't think but, Cher didn't tell her about what Elton did. did do I you don't think, think she, I don't yeah. it doesn't oh, seem yeah. like I don't it? Think she would because ever. she kind of looks off to the side like, yeah, he's he's too good for you, and he just she she didn't seem like she she told her. In the book, she does tell her that he because Mr. Elton proposes to share, and oh. um, and Harriet. So she ends up telling Harriet uh, because it's you know in a in a in Edwardian England, obviously once a, a man's proposed and you've turned him down, they're not exactly going to be in your friendship circle anymore. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so there has to be a reason. So I, I imagine that's why she would have told her. And in the book, Harriet is like, well, yeah, of course he likes you. You know, I don't blame him for that. You're so much more beautiful. And, you know, all these other things that she believes that Emma is way above her. And just it's kind of taken as she is. She is above her because she's a higher class. She mm-hmm. is just in all ways her superior. So they're going to blow off seventh and eighth period and go to the mall. Yep. Have a calorie and, fest. And then we get another little adorable moment of group hug. Yes, and we see, and they're going to see a new Christian Slater movie. Don't forget. Yes. Oh, yeah, you know, Christian Slater. So did you look up what movie it was? No, that I did not. Okay, it was, it was Christian Slater went silent, I guess, in 1994. So he had a movie in 95, and it was called Murder in the First, which seems like a total downer. In IMDb, it one of the parental um, warnings was prison brutalities. So yeah, I don't feel no, like this. I, I don't feel like this is the pick me up that Ty would need, even if it yeah. has Christian Slater. <laughs> so I don't know. I guess they went to go see Murder in the First and watch Christian Christian Slater <laughs> oh as an God. attorney. It was was did he play the attorney in that movie? I think he did. Okay. I think he did. Yeah, and like Kevin Bacon. 
I think this is like the oh yeah 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 I act, I saw this movie actually yeah. it was a good movie um if I recall correctly yeah that uh, Kevin Bacon had been in um, solitary confinement mm-hmm. uh, and that was like for three years I'm trying to think was it based on a real yeah story? it says it was based on a true story yeah we're gonna follow our threesome because Ty is so touched that they love her so much and they care about her and we go to the restaurant and they ogle the waiter. And uh, they agree that the waiter is doable. And Dion says that she, you know, he's fine, but he's puny and she likes guys with big muscles. And Cher does, says that she does not like muscles because, you know, Josh doesn't have muscles. No. Just, you know, pointing that out. And it, the minute ends with Ty not caring either way. I, I um, want to point out that I don't know what, I'm wondering if Dion said that because that was the line in the movie or what she considers muscles is because I took mm-hmm. when she said that I went and I caught it like a glimpse of the guy's arm and I went back and those he's got some guns yeah it was like, like a ham hawk coming out of that yeah sleep. yeah yeah like and he's you know so I'm like wondering like is that not enough muscles for you she, like she you likes need, Arnold like yeah. what, what <laughs> level of muscle are you looking for and Marie <laughs> isn't muscular no Marie's not mm. muscular I think you know that one kind of struck me as a um oh i like really hot guys like you know kind of what what people were seeing a lot back yeah. then you know you yeah. saw like especially like the, the 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 summer movies and the teeny bopper movies like guys were like had like it was probably less muscle like arm muscles but like very defined abs yeah. and and stuff like that um and from a distance but, this is this is fantasy not reality she's in yes. reality she's dating a high school boy who wears big true. clothes <laughs> And I just want to go go back to these outfits for a second because both in the locker room and in the restaurant. Because in the restaurant, you know, well, in the locker room, Dion is in a bright pink shirt um, that is completely unbuttoned, buttoned down shirt, and you see her black bra. Mm-hmm. Then we get to the restaurant; she's buttoned two buttons <laughs> and put a um leopard blazer over it but you can still see into her shirt and like in her black bra which seemed awfully questionable to me because you don't really like like this whole like these two moments almost felt like the most male gazy parts mm-hmm. like you know of the movie because you know like i said um in the locker room and i thought i thought it was particularly interesting you know so you you're close up on the girls but behind him you have the girl in the weird bra mm-hmm. panty set mm-hmm. then you've got um another girl in a bra and pair of jeans then there's a girl like leaning against a locker with in a bra and like a towel wrapped around her bottom mm-hmm. which i thought was kind of odd and there might have been somebody else that was you know mostly dressed because i think there was four of them around there and for a movie that I don't really feel like has a lot of, like, scantily clad girls, like, that part seemed strange and mm-hmm. kind of unnecessary. Like, why there were so many, like, girls in bras and panties. Um, unless it was just really to set up Dion's, like, black bra. Because the, in the restaurant, like, Ty has on a cozy burgundy sweater and, like, Cher has a black cardigan over a mm-hmm. black shirt. Although I read an article um, the other day about how Dion had to be the more sexual one of the two because of the the dichotomy between virginity of, of Cher and um, Dion's slightly more worldliness. So they had to up the sexual 
you know, look for her versus Cher. Um, but yeah, that's that's going pretty hardcore. Mm-hmm. Not only leopard, yeah. but see-through shirt and underwear visible. Is yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, yeah, I, that seemed very very strange to me. And I oh. just want to point out some, another thing. So I wasn't really, I didn't really notice the girls in the background in the laundry yeah. thing for some <laughs> odd reason, like that. Uh, but for some reason in the restaurant, I noticed that one girl with the white on her nose. It's a nose job. She had a, a bandage on. She had on. a nose job? It was yeah. A, yeah, I couldn't tell if that was bandage or zinc oxide. Oh, yeah. And, <laughs> and like, at, every time they cut to Cher's face while she was talking, I just saw that girl. <laughs> I'm like, what? what is that? <laughs> I, I'm like, why? I, why? I, why does my mind go to these stupid things? <laughs> I didn't notice that at all. And to tell you the truth, I, I, to tell you the truth, I did not notice the girls in the locker room. What I noticed was when we got to the restaurant, I was like, why can I see straight into Dion's shirt? <laughs> like, I like, this is kind of an odd thing that I can see right into her shirt. So I went back because I, oh, and I was wondering if they did a costume change. That was my mm-hmm. other question because there's been so many costume changes between scenes. So I was like, okay, I can see through, I can see into Dion's shirt and there's a costume change. So I went back and I was like, oh, wait a minute. This, okay, this is still the same pink shirt Dee's wearing. However, um, much more like unbuttoned. And look at all the other naked, nearly naked girls around her. Like that, that surprised me. Um, the other, the, the thing that kind of shocked me, um, I remember when I first saw this movie and, and even this time around is that Ty had a big like tribal tattoo, tribal sun mm-hmm. tattoo on her arm in high school. Yeah. You didn't really see that in the 90s. She has a like a wrist, uh, like a floral wrist tattoo too. Yeah. And, and others. Then, and she has one on her hand, uh-huh. although I couldn't figure out if the one on her hand um, was an actual tattoo or if it was more like, oh, I'm sitting in class and drawing on myself because yeah. it kind of seemed like it could be that. They all look, they all had that very fake temporary tattoo look though so mm-hmm. i wonder if if they if it was an accessory for her or if she really was supposed to be such a tough girl from new jersey that she already had this many tattoos at 16 yeah yeah i think the one on her arm might have been supposedly mm-hmm. a real one but i could see the one on her wrist like being her uh but yeah really nobody ever yeah, Leah being like a fake one, but I wonder, does anybody ever bring up her? Because I know that like they're a little shocked that she's had sex and they're a little shocked that she can do this. I don't think so. But I don't so. know if it ever comes up that mm. like, yeah, that she has a bunch of tattoos. Yeah. No. And I don't remember if temporary tattoos were, I, I don't think they were ever cool, except for, of course, these these flash ones that happened over the past couple of summers with Coachella. But mm-hmm. um, uh, other than that, I don't remember ta- fake tattoos ever being a thing, like a fashion yeah. statement at all. So. So maybe they were just poorly done um, fakes for for the movie. The song that's playing in this restaurant the is my forgotten my homies one. And, no, uh, before, before, that. That, oh, before that, because it's okay. like it's low. It's actually kind of hard to hear. Yeah. It's um, uh, my forgotten favorite by Velocity Girl, and I love Velocity Girl. I love this band. I, um, they're. I have I still have the CD that I still listen to regularly called Simpatico. Um and if you want to go check it out, you should go and songs like what do I have? Um Sorry Again, the All Consumer and There's Only Thing One Left to Say or There's Only One Thing Left to Say and I Can't Stop Smiling it was a off of Sub Pop in nineteen ninety four and it's just like super poppy indie music and it just makes me so happy. And when I was when I saw that it was Velocity Girl 
because um, I had to look it up because I couldn't really hear it clearly, which is a, kind of a complaint um, with this uh, particular song. Was it mentioned in the credits? Is it? Is that? Yeah, it's on the soundtrack. Okay, because that's, on... that's, that's what I meant. Like, I one of the things I like to do is eat. I because I force my my family when I do and friends when I do go see a movie in the theater to sit through all the credits because mm-hmm. you know because uh, you know they go to all that trouble so, so yeah. it's, it feels yeah I mean even if I you know might no, I, purposely I do the same meet thing. that key grip it, I'd like to know but uh, sometimes you see the soundtrack titles and I could have sworn I saw the song you were talking about mentioned there and I was just trying to remember what it was from like, yeah no, no. yeah it was uh it was before this song my forgotten favorites before they you know got picked up by sub pop um they were on a different thing but it gave me all of these feelings and it reminded me of how frustrated as I, I vaguely mentioned before with some of my younger um get not my younger guests but some of the younger guests that have been on the show uh who have mocked bands like Cracker because they have never heard of them before um and again Cracker it's by David Lowry and um who also uh, did Camper Van Beethoven and Key Lime Pie is an album that I believe came out in 1987. It might have been 88. And I had the cassette tape that was bright green and I read all the liner notes. And it I swear, like, that changed my life and, like, changed my writing style, like, in this kind of dry, sad, sardonic thing. And uh, I got to interview him once. And, like, I've interviewed a lot of people uh, for projects and things, and that was one of like the biggest highlights of my life. So when I hear people going, I've never heard of Cracker, is it Uncle Cracker? I get frustrated. Because <laughs> um, they're so good. They're so good. I mean, songs like, you know, Take the Skinheads Bowling and Teen Angst and, um, and whatnot. And then I also want to address one other thing, which is the lightning seeds um, that were big in, on 120 Minutes for a while with the adorably poppy pure and all that I want, or all I want, rather. So... Um, while some people who did not grow up in this era don't know these songs, um, and I understand, and honestly, even a lot of people who grew up in the era, like, there's no way you would have known them. Like, I was a big 120 minutes person. Did you listen to or watch 120 minutes? No, see, no, and, and, like, for the- <laughs> I feel like, I feel like my ranting had now both of you were like, no, I'm very no. sorry. Like, <laughs> it sounds like it, we would have heard some amazing music if we listened yeah, to it. So I that's feel, why we're sorry that we didn't. Yeah, I feel like I, I wasn't, well, you know, I didn't discover my own music, I guess, till probably a couple years after that. I was just listening to whatever was on the radio. Are there other teen movies you enjoy? The John Hughes oeuvre, the 1999 Resurgence. Mean Girls, the current stuff with a bunch of based off a bunch of YA book. What are your favorite teen movies, or do you so, not like teen movies in general? So I I went to see Ten Things I Hate About You in the theaters, like I think I mentioned earlier, or that mm-hmm. might have been off mic. I'm not sure, and um, I enjoyed it. Like uh, like I said, like I was surprised if you know the fit. Like I don't remember if the movie made it very clear from the. Au- ongoing or we just at some point realized it and enjoyed it that it was you know uh kind of a take on the taming of the shrew and such uh but you know like i've i've watched you know i like i've watched uh, a couple of teen movies and just really depends on how on whether i can relate to them or not and and like like you said like clueless when you know which surprised me because when i because this is like the first time that i sat down and watched the entire theory i was surprised how relatable it was and how you know it's a really good movie and 
10 things about I hate about you was just more of a comedy team thing to me like and I'm trying to think which other team movies I've seen but it's hard to it's hard to remember cuz uh growing up I saw it was more like I saw things like uh Goonies or 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 the Dirt I mean Bike that's, that's a teen movie. Yeah. Like those are all teen movies. Like they're just slightly different. Like yeah. they're they're a little like teen and preteen like kind of yeah. in that like that stage right there. Yeah, and part of a lot of people's teen experience or early, you know, pre, probably preteen. Yeah, so- but like um I my favorites now are I, I like the ones that are happening now. So I have a 9-year-old daughter. Um so mm-hmm. anything that is um you know uh, feminist or pro girl, I like and I love that those are the types of movies that are coming out now. Hunger well, Games, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah. I, I love, I love that. Oh, so I, I'm niece, all for these these current ones that are coming out now. My nieces are are so into Star Wars now, and I'm so happy. <laughs> and uh, they love Ray. Yeah, Ray's and, awesome. Mm-hmm. And I'm so glad. And I was like that movie, and I like that movie so much. But th- at the same time, I've also. Uh, gone with my nieces to see the uh those uh my little pony equestria girls uh movies in theaters uh-huh. and that well uh, uh the and we have fun and like it was it was it was really neat and it's it's kind of interesting to see things like that on this on the big screen mm-hmm. i'm thinking those are probably a little less on the teen movie side yeah yeah but um, oh yeah 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 <laughs> I do know. I do know when I when I saw Star Wars, and I'm probably one of the few people that only saw it once in the theater. But um, the moment where, like, the lightsaber goes to her, mm-hmm. like, I cried. I got chills. I and was cried. like, yeah, I <laughs> cried. Like, I was like, yeah, I got chills and cried, and and that was you know such a thing. Um, but I would say, like, for me, I it's probably been a while since there's been a teen movie that I you know I like. Like, I am. They're problematic, but I still love all the John Hughes movies. You know, Sixteen Candles was the first movie that I had like rented and taped and like watched so much that I actually memorized it, and I still have memorized it. And I loved Grease, but like Grease Two is, (laughs) I love Grease Two beyond the telling of it. And I will do Grease Two songs and force people to do them um, with me. Um, But like, yeah, like with, with with. John Hughes, like, I really, you know, as we're talking about relatability, like, I related to Molly Ringwald. Mm -hmm. And even though she was so much prettier than I ever could have wished to be, um, they, she always was the outsider, Mm -hmm. you know, and always felt like she didn't quite fit in, which was me. And I had this realization recently I was watching, I was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm, I was Andy. Like, I mean, I had friends, like, much more friends than, than she did in Pretty in Pink, but I was like... I am Andy and I'm still Andy. And it's like, I don't, you know, I'm like, I would, you know, just kind of do this whole thing. But, um, some kind of wonderful is like my ultimate favorite of the John Hughes films. Like, I just love that relationship. I'm such a sucker for like best friends turning into like something more like that is like crack to me. But, um, my, my other, like when the resurgence that came up around 1999 and like the one, um, movie that nobody ever mentions and it makes me so sad because I love it so much is Drive Me Crazy and yeah I not a lot of people have seen one. it who was in it's that? M- Melissa Joan Hart Aww. and Adrian Grenier like or however you say his last name like before he was like a like 
you know, entourage weasel sort of character. <laughs> uh, and Melissa Joan Hart, like, gets to be, like, she's, like, you know, perky, but, like, sardonic. Like, and it's dry. And it's, it was from a book, um, a YA novel, but it was adapted by Rob Thomas, who mm-hmm. went on to do uh, Veronica Mars, mm-hmm. and he's doing iZombie right now. Um, and I just, I love the way he writes. And I... I love this book, like, or I love this movie. It's just, um, the Donnas are in it, and it's, you know, it's about, like, she's this, uh, super perky, like, you know, president sort of person, and not, she's not the president, but super perky, and she, there's some big millennial dance, and she wants to go to it, and, um, the guy she likes doesn't ask her, and, like, and it is, it, you know, it was kind of, kind of like a tie situation, and once, like, he asks somebody else, and she gets really disappointed, she makes a deal with her, uh, like, long-term best friend, like, you know, uh, Adrian Gary lives next door, and, because he's recently been dumped by his girlfriend, who's played by Ali Larder, who was, like, and they're, you know, they're, like, the punk band, you know, sort of thing, and, um, like, they're punks, and, and they basically decide they're gonna scam everybody, and just kind of, like, pretend to be a couple, and do this whole thing, and it's such an odd way to try to explain the film but it is it's really endearing and it's really really smart and fun and it's not a huge commentary on anything Mm -hmm. but it's enough of a commentary that you don't normally see that so yes more people need to see drive me crazy i'll look for it yeah yes uh i think it's on netflix now so it's exciting um, so we are wrapping up minute 46 and we are coming back for one more episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys have anything you would like to plug um, for today? I will let you do your well, own plug. Since you mes- mentioned Melissa Joan Hart, I'm going to plug Clarissa Explains It All. <laughs> there you go. Thanks, George. That is a good video. <laughs> and I'd just like to uh, plug my uh, social media. So uh, Twitter at Jessica DeRoy and Instagram also at Jessica DeRoy. Thanks. Awesome. And you can find me at Amy Pop, A-M-Y-P-O-P, or the Amy Pascal uh, with an E. And... We have one more minute to go. I'm very excited for this week. Thank you, Jessica. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Jordan. Bye. Bye. We will be back tomorrow to discuss our final minute. Minute 47. Thanks for listening to this episode of As If the podcast all about Clueless. It is produced and edited by Darren Huston. Executive produced and hosted by Amy Pascal with my guests Jessica DeRoy and Jordan Sam. Follow us on Facebook at As If The Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at As If Underscore Podcast. And follow us on Instagram at, at As If Podcast. All one word. Subscribe to us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Shout Engine, or the podcasting app of your choice. Please rate and review if you enjoy. Clueless is owned by Paramount Pictures. No infringement is intended. All rights reserved. Copyright 2016.